Chapter 4 of Hindu Tales or The Adventures of Ten Princes by Tanton Translated by P. W. Jacob This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Siddharth Marriage of Avanti Sundari During the story of Rajavahana at Avanti, the season of spring arrived. When the great festival of Kama is celebrated, the trees breaking into flower were filled with the song of birds and the hum of bees, and their branches were waved by the soft south wind blowing, loaded with perfume from the sandal groves of Malaya. The lakes and pools were thickly covered with lotus blossoms, among which innumerable water birds were sporting, and the feelings of all were influenced by the charms of the season and prepared for the worship of the god of love on the day of the festival the parks and gardens were crowded with people some engaged in various sports some walking about or sitting under the trees looking at the players among them was the princess avanti sundari who was sitting on a sandy spot under a large tree attended by her women especially by her dear friend bala chandrika and making offerings to the god of various perfumes and flowers the prince also walked in the park with his friend Pushpod Bhava, and wishing to see the princess of whose grace and beauty he had already heard, contrived to approach, and being encouraged by Balachandrika with a gesture of the hand, came and stood very near her. Then indeed, having an opportunity of observing her, he was struck by her exceeding beauty. She seemed to him, as if formed by the god of love, with everything most beautiful in the world and as he gazed he felt more and more entranced till almost unconsciously he was deeply in love she indeed seeing him beautiful as kama himself was almost equally affected and pervaded by strong feeling trembled like the branch of a creeping plant agitated by a gentle wind then he thought never have i seen anything so lovely she must have been formed by some singular accident, for there is no one like her in the world. She indeed, ashamed to look openly at him, and half concealing herself among her attendants, looked at him stealthily from time to time, and while he had all his thoughts fixed on her, was saying to herself, Who can he be? Where does he come from? Happy the maidens, whose eyes are delighted with such beauty, Happy the mother, who has such a son. What can I do? How can I find out who he is? Meanwhile, Balachandrika, quick in discrimination, perceived the impression they had made on each other, and not thinking it desirable to declare his name and rank before the other attendants, or in such a public place, introduced him to the princess, saying, This is a very learned and clever young Brahman, a friend of my husband, worthy of your notice allow me to recommend him to your favorable consideration the princess delighted at heart with concealing her feelings motioned to the prince to sit down near her and gave him beetle flowers perfumes through one of her attendants then rajavahana more deeply in love even than the princess thought to himself there surely must be some reason for this very sudden attraction which i feel towards her she must have been my beloved wife in a former existence, 
Perhaps our curse was laid upon Perhaps a curse was laid upon us, and now that is removed, if so, the recognition ought to be mutual at all events. I will try what I can do to produce the same feeling in her which exists in my mind. While he was considering how this might be accomplished, a man approached the princess as if expecting to be fed or caressed, and in sport she desired Balachandrika to catch it. Inspired by this circumstance, with a happy thought, Rajavana said to the princess, Will you allow me to tell you a short story? There was formerly a king called Samba, then walking one day together with his beloved wife at the side of a small lake in the pleasure grounds. He saw a swan asleep just under the bank. Having caught it, he tied its legs together, put it down again on the ground, and saying to his wife, this bird sits as quiet as a money. Let him go where he likes. Amused himself with laughing at its awkward attempts to walk. Then the swan suddenly spoke, O king, though in the form of a swan I am a devout Brahmin, and since you have thus, without cause, ill-treated me while sitting quiet here, engaged in meditation, I lay my curse upon you, and you shall endure the pain of separation from your beloved wife. Hearing this, the king alarmed and distressed bowed respectfully to the ground, and said, O mighty sage, forgive an act done through ignorance. Then that holy person, having his anger appeased, answered, My words cannot be made of no effect. I will, however, so far mollify the curse, that it will not take place during your present existence, but in future birth, when you are united to the same lady in another body, you must endure the misery of separation from her for two months, though you will afterwards enjoy very great happiness with her, and I will also confer on you both the power of recognizing each other in your next existence. I beg of you, therefore, not to tie this bird which you are wishing to catch. The princess, hearing the story, was quite ready to believe it, and from her own feelings was convinced that it really referred to a previous existence of herself now brought to her recollection, and that the love which she felt springing up in her heart was directed towards one who had formerly been her husband. With a sweet smile, she answered, Doubtless, Samba tied the bird in that way on purpose to obtain the power of recognition in another birth, and it was very cleverly managed by him. From that moment, they seemed perfectly to understand each other and sat without speaking, their hearts full of happiness. Presently the mother of the princess, the queen of the ex-king, Manasara, who had also come with her attendants into the park, joined her daughter, and Balachandrika, having seen her approaching, made a sign to the prince upon which he and his friend slipped on one side and hid themselves behind some leafy bushes. After the queen had stayed a short time talking to her daughter and looking at the games, she set out to return, and the princess accompanied her. Before going, she turned round, as if addressing the swan, but intending the speech for the prince, who was anxiously watching her from his hiding place. Though you come near me so lovingly just now, I may not stay longer with you. I must leave you and follow my mother. Do not forget me, or imagine that I neglect you, for I am still fond of you. With these words she walked slowly away, looking with longing eyes 
in the direction of her lover. On their return to the palace, the princess heard from Balachandrika a full account of Rajavahana and his adventures, through which she was even more in love than before, and having no opportunity of seeing him again, became listless and indifferent to her usual occupations, lost her appetite, wasted away, and at last lay on her bed, burning with fever. In vain did her devoted attendants use all their efforts to diminish the heat by means of cold water, fanning, and other remedies, and she, seeing their distress, said to her faithful Balachandrika, Ah, my dear friend, all you can do is to no purpose. They call Kama, the god, with five arrows, but surely this is a wrong name, for I feel as if I have been pierced by him with hundreds of arrows. They call the wind from Malaya cooling, but to me it only increases the fever, as if blowing up the fire which consumes me, my own necklace, the contact of which was formerly agreeable, now feels as if smeared with poison of serpents. Give up your exertions. The prince is the only physician who can cure me. And how can he come to me here? Then Balachandrika thought to herself, something must be done and that without delay, or this violent passion of love, will surely cause her death. I will at least see the prince, and try, if it is possible, to bring about a meeting. Having thus resolved, she begged the princess to write a few lines to her lover, and committing her to the care of the other attendants, she went to the house of her husband. There she found Rajavahana, almost in the same state as the princess, burning with fever, throwing himself about restlessly on his couch and bemoaning his hard fate to his friend. On seeing Balachandrika, he started up saying, Oh, how welcome is the sight of you. I am sure you must be the bearer of good news. Sit down here and tell me about my darling. She answered, The princess is suffering like you yourself, longing to see you, and has now sent me with this letter. Eagerly opening it, he read, Beloved, having seen your beauty, delicate as a flower, faultless, Unrivaled in the world, my heart is full of longing. Do you likewise make your heart soft? Having read this, he said, Your coming here is refreshing to me as water to a withered plant. You are the wife of my very dear friend Pushpodbhava, and I know how attached you are to my darling. Therefore, I can speak freely to you. Tell her that when she left the group that day, she carried off my heart with her, and that I long to see her even more than she longs for me. Tell her only not to respond. The entrance to her apartment is indeed difficult, but I will contrive to see her by some means or the other. Come back soon, and having thought over the matter, I will tell you what is to be done. With this message, Palachandrika went to rejoice her friend, and the prince, though much comforted, could not remain quiet, but walked to the park to have the pleasure of seeing at least the place where he had first met his charmer. There he stayed a long time together with his friend, looking at her footsteps in the sand and withered flowers which, which she had gathered and thrown down. The place where she had sat and the shrubs from which he had watched her and listening to the murmur of the wind among the leaves, the hum of the bees and the song of the birds. Presently they saw approaching them a Brahman, splendidly dressed followed by a servant. He, coming up to the prince, saluted him, and the prince, returning the salute, asked who he was. 
He answered, My name is Vidyeswara. I am a famous conjurer and travel about exhibiting my skill for the amusement of kings and nobles. I have now come to Ujjain to show off my skill before the king. Then, with a knowing smile, he added, But what makes you look so pale? Pushpot Baba, thinking to himself, This is just the man to help us, answered, There is something in your appearance which induces me to look on you as a friend, and you know how sometimes intimate friendship arises from a very short acquaintance. I will therefore tell you why my friend is thus sad. Not long ago, he, the son of a king, met the princess Avanti Sundari on this very spot, and they fell in love with each other. From the impossibility of meeting, both are suffering, and the prince is brought into this condition which you see. Vidyasvara in reply, looking at the prince, said with a smile, To such as you, with me, for an ally, nothing is impossible. I will, through my skill, contrive that you shall marry the princess in the presence of her father and his court. But you must follow my directions exactly, and she must be informed of her part in the affair through some trusty female friend. Then, having given the necessary directions, the conjurer went his way. Rajabahana also returned to the house, and when he had given Balachandrika, who came again in the evening, the directions received from the conjurer, and a loving message of engagement for the princess, he anxiously awaited the morrow. Unable to sleep from the thought of the expected happiness, and fluctuating between alternate hopes and fears, in the morning, Vidyasvara, having collected a large troop of followers, went to the palace and announced himself to the doorkeeper, saying, Tell the king the great conjurer is arrived. Manasara, who had heard of his great skill, was desirous of seeing it, ordered him to be immediately admitted, and after the usual salutations, the performance began. First, while the band was playing, peacock's tails were waving, and the singer's imitations, the plaintive notes of birds, to excite the feelings and distract the attention of the hearers, the conjurer turned round violently several times with his eyes half closed and caused great hooded serpents to appear and vultures to come down from the sky to seize them. After this, he represented the scene of Vishnu killing Hiranyakashipu, chief of the Asuras, to the great astonishment of the spectators. Then, turning to the king, he said, It is desirable that the performance should end with something auspicious. I propose, therefore, to represent a royal marriage, and one of my people will act as your daughter, another as a prince endowed with all good qualities. But first I must apply to your eyes this ointment, which will give you preternatural clearness of vision. To all this the king consented. Meanwhile the princess had contrived to slip out unobserved and stood among the conjurer's people. Rajavahana also stood ready, and the performance began. Thus, under the disguise of a piece of acting, the conjurer, being a Brahmin, was able to complete the marriage with all proper rites and ceremonies, without any suspicion on the part of the king that it was his own daughter whom he saw before him, and the others also, unsuspecting, only admired the skill of the conjurer in making the actress so like the lady whom she represented. When the performance was ended, the conjurer, having been liberally rewarded by the king, dismissed his hired attendants and departed. In the confusion and excitement caused by the conjurer's performance, Rajavahana and the princess slipped unnoticed into her apartments, where he was safe, for the present at least, her attendants being all devoted to her 
and careful to keep the secret. He was thus able to enjoy the society of his pride without interruption to give her a full account of his life, adventures, and to teach her many things of which she was ignorant, so that she became more and more attached to him, and admired his knowledge and eloquence as much as she had admired his beauty. End of chapter 4